You are listening to Get Real Podcast. I think there's, like we define in pretty much every podcast we talk about it, is there's kind of a talent stack or a trait stack that I think a lot of heavier music, heavy metal fans have. And I think people that have those click. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for them to bond together. You see somebody, if I'm walking around and I see, oh, somebody's got a Devin Townsend t-shirt on, then I know that I could probably sit down, have a cup of coffee with that person and talk about 20 different things that we would jive on. And there would probably be some sort of opening or softness or curiosity or even aversion to maybe some spiritual things, but it would be there. You know, it's like the arrow pointing this way or pointing the opposite direction. Yeah, you can be pointing away from the Lord. You're still pointing at the Lord. You, just, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you would sit down with somebody that likes heavy metal or they play heavy metal or they're trying to minister through heavy metal. And there's this kind of common element. What is going on when we listen to music, you know, from a mammal <laughs> hearing these frequencies or hearing these rhythms or a person that is in touch with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing dynamic, a bunch of different things happening at the same time. So music is very powerful. It's called the language of the spirit. Where is the origin of that? Is that in the scripture? Um, or, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. There's something about a chicken in there, I'm pretty sure. Something about, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good book says. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've, I've heard that a lot, that, you know, that music is the language of the spirit. I don't know. We ought to find that you out. You know who I first that heard that from? Okay, now my dad told me it was the universal language. Okay. But the first person you're gonna you're gonna laugh when you hear this. It was Don Dockin at a Dockin concert. Really? He was standing on stage. Now, of course, he does not look like he did back in the eighties, but boy, he can still bring it home. Okay. okay. He was up there dragging a cigarette. <laughs> and he's like, you know, this is a really spiritual experience. It's like music is spiritual. And I like how all of us can come together in music. Huh. Don Dockin. And I was it. like, yeah, and I remember that very vividly. I, re- I remember where I was standing and in the concert. Did that have to do with THC? Or <laughs> it sounds a little bit like that. A, a, a little bit. But again, as we've often said, that Satan takes and perverts everything. He, he really does. So there's truth to that. If you get that while you're on THC, of course, there's the, there's the whole trip with that. But no, there's a truth. There, there, there's an absolute truth. That was to just it. fun. <laughs> but well, I'm trying to Google it here. We can use the uh, the magic of the internet. The magic of the internet language. Okay, there's a book about it. I don't know. I'm just rambling on. Oh, okay. Well, the other thing too that I want our listeners to understand is that God is speaking through many different things. It just so happens that I happen to be picking up the voice of the Lord through through heavy metal a lot. But one of the interesting trends that we're seeing in metal right now is that a lot of metal bands are experimenting outside of metal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and know. they all have influences. Hmm. Can you find it, Dan? Spirit. A lot of people talking about it. You know what? We'll have to dive in, do a little little rabbit hole we'll digging do, we'll on do that one. Research there. And if any of our listeners know, they can email us and educate us. Yeah, absolutely. If you know something about uh, music being the language of the spirit or the language of the soul... You know, drop us a line. Yeah, You know what I find really funny? And you can drop us a line at lithoscry.com. But one of the things that I find really funny is all music belongs to God. It's his. Yeah. Everything. God likes jazz. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a good book. Maybe God likes jazz. Hey, book. that's going to be my second book. You did God a heavy metal jazz. one? Now it's yeah, for God jazz. Likes jazz. God likes yep. jazz. He likes EDM. 
yeah. electronic dance music. That's really big. It is big. It's really I like big. it. Yeah, I, I like some of it too. It's like there again, it's a little, there's a little math going on mm-hmm. there. There there's you know there is, but it's it, it's all his music. But I was reading an article a couple months ago where this guy was writing. He's like, well. Yeah, he's like, um, I think pretty much we'll find all types of music in heaven except for rap and heavy metal. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this guy just... Maybe not- rap, but not heavy. <laughs> not heavy. Okay. Well, God, like, I've heard guys through rap minister the gospel like there's no tomorrow. Oh, yeah, no. There's, it's, you know what? It's the human frame. It's the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. You've got people just... I don't tend to listen to a whole lot of rap, but then I'll hear certain rappers that are just going in the poetry and the imagery, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, that's that is incredible, and it's and the whole mixture of what music is, and just everybody gravitates. It's like a room full of toys, right? And but you got a bunch of toddlers, and they're like, "Oh, the Lincoln Logs are fascinating," and then somebody else finds Lincoln Logs as boring as sin. They're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, "Not another Lincoln Log. I don't want to see it." But one kid's like, "Oh, Lego blocks are the deal," or you know what else? It, it, it's everybody is drawn to something different. You look at how whack creation is. I say that reverently. Creation blows my mind. You know, I love to talk about if I ever did have a tattoo, which I don't have any tattoos. You got some, but I it's do. like if I got one, it would be of a trilobite. Yeah, and I've told you that before because I they the it's like scary biker tattoos swimming yeah. in a warm shallow sea for hundreds of however many years you want to put it. Um, it's fascinating to me the variation in creation, the the unbelievable ferocity of what's out there in the in the cosmos and you start dealing with stuff you're like heavy metal is not weird no it's not really loud it's not anything compared to the violence of of just the way things i was um, reading a book i'm always reading a book but i just got through i've read it like six times i i read the uh, the history of the conquest of mexico okay and one of the things, same, you know, there's a lot of debate about Cortez and what they were doing and the Catholics and from Spain and, and what, but, you know, when they got to Yucatan, which by the way, Yucatan, you know what it means? No, I don't. It means, I don't understand what you're saying. Is that really what <laughs> that means? It is. Okay. When the Spanish got to Mexico, they landed on, on the Yucatan Peninsula near Cozumel and they asked the natives, they were like, so what is this place called? And the natives like... I don't understand a word you say it, right? <laughs> Which it sounded like they said Yucatan and it meant Nanya. I don't I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and so that's they named it Yucatan and it means I don't understand. They thought it was the name. So anyway, but one thing that was interesting to happen that happened was Cortez and some of the guys they made they saw what was going on with the human sacrifice. Okay? And I'm not being pro Indian pro Cortez doesn't matter, but just what happened was when they saw the human sacrifice and it scared them, and they were like, "This looks really demonic." Okay, mm-hmm. um, when they actually tore down the idols and threw them down the stairs of the pyramid and just desecrated the idols, and the people responded in a way. They looked at it and they said, "You know what? If these idols couldn't protect themselves from from you guys." then we're not going to believe him in him anymore. Wow. Okay? Wow. And it was just that particular point of when something was built up in their mind that they had all this in their mind that said, these are these gods. They demand blood. They demand sacrifice. They demand live hearts, you know, coming out. They demand all this. And the second that someone 
because I'm, I'm kind of getting away from the actual narrative and talking about it on a greater scale. The fact that someone interpreted that in a certain way and showed them that there wasn't any power and what they had built up in their mind kind of waxes cultic, too. Mm-hmm. It does. That you can't really do this. Does. If you do this, if you go against your leadership at your church, you know, or if you're like, hey, I have a question, and they're like, no, silence. So people trying to oppress you or suppress you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can edit this if you have to. <laughs> no, go for it. No, it's great. Um, but it's there's some amazing dynamics there of the liberation of, of people's minds. Like they sit there and they think heavy metal is this horrible, wicked thing. Well, human sacrifice is a wicked, horrible thing. It is, yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. You can find that from the law. You can find that in even in the way that God saved the world, you know, or offers salvation to the world, was through the barbary of human sacrifice being the ultimate thing of where society will devolve down to a point and then we'll start killing one another, right? In this weird religious rite of just fallen man. It's horrible. It's the apex of fallenness, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he allowed Jesus as the lamb to be able to come under that and suffer that in a way to even ransom humanity. How beautiful, right? Take the worst and do the best with it. Well, that thing that happened to those Indians and, and the Spaniards And when they challenged the notion and said, this is evil, but these gods are not real and threw them down. And the natives were sitting there terrified. Uh Uh-oh, they're waiting for a boom. They're waiting for those guys' faces to melt or, you know, what like that, what was that movie? Back in the- Raiders of the Lost Lost Ark. Ark. You could never forget that visual with the eyeballs. uh But uh, (laughs) that was the coolest part of the movie. It was, it was seeing Nazi eyeballs come out. (laughs) But it was like when that happened, but- it had been built up in their mind for generations that the gods must be appeased. We need to sacrifice men, women, and children to them. And then the second that Cortez and those guys, whatever their motivation, knocked them down and said, they're not real. What you're afraid of is not real. Then they were liberated and opened in their mind. And I think a lot of what happens, especially like with heavy metal, is people will they'll become extra biblical and they'll build up these big notions about what is demonic and what is not demonic. But the key is that it really becomes extra biblical. Yeah. I've listened, I've read whole teachings in very fat books, okay, where they would show you the structure of the notes and say, this is perverse, this is okay, this is wrong, this is okay. And the whole time I just kept going, okay, when I read, and I think it's, what is it, Psalm 150, where all the, let everything that has breath, praise Praise the the Lord. Lord. And they're going from whales and strange creatures. We don't even know what they are. And they're doing, so literally whales doing everything that whales are doing, yelling, screaming, Mm -hmm. do your best whale impression. (laughs) Well, that praises the Lord. Quasars out in the middle of space are praising the Lord. All this crazy, scary stuff. Okay. If you're swimming, you're like, well, whales aren't scary. You would probably wet your britches even though you were already wet if a whale (laughs) swam right beside you or under you. A mama killer whale can swim right beside and literally gut the liver for her pups of a great white shark and do it so... The great white's a joke compared to a killer whale. They they found them. And they're like, what happened to the killer... To the great white? And the great white's like upside down, you know, like dead, sans liver, right? <laughs> and you got the little pup is like munching shark liver. Thanks, mom. You know, and they go frolic out to the ocean. So anyway, my long drawn out example was they had a false notion built up 
they had a brainwashing, they had something. But in their case, it was extraordinarily within the Bible of that human sacrifice of men, women, and children is barbaric, it's murder, it's horrible, it's demonic. And they thought these gods are going to get us if we don't do that. Okay, so then when those idols get tumped over, those they were liberated in their mind and they quit following those idols, which was neat. And I'm not going to comment on you know the rest of the story and all the different things, but I think a lot of times things get built up in our mind, and we have all this. Uh, oh, it's angry. It's it's bad. So the only thing, the things which are soft, the things which are quiet, that are cuddly, that are like this, and it's like you know what, in God's earth. There's a lot of crazy stuff that is good stuff. Yeah. That doesn't, it didn't come off the gift shop rack at Zondervan's, right? No, it didn't. It didn't do they still you, exist? I don't know if they I, I don't know if they're still in business well, anymore. So the old schoolers. The old know schoolers know what exactly. It'd be a Christian bookstore, franchise, or whatever. Not yeah. totally knocking them. But anyway, you can edit that as much <laughs> as you want to edit it. But it's just people get things built up in their mind. We all do. Yeah, we all do. How many do. times you're sitting there going, I did with secular music, mm-hmm. I had teachers. Build it up with, oh, you know, metal and rock. Not just metal, anything. I felt guilty for listening to the Dixie Chicks, bro. Yep. I did at one cultic time in our life, which we'll have to do the, the whole cult 90 episode podcast. But the um, I had that built up in my head that, whoa, this is secular, right? It's one of the things I really appreciate. I've mentioned it before. In A.W. Tozer's, it's uh, The Pursuit of God. Mm-hmm. There's a certain chapter in there. And it is called, I misquoted it on an earlier podcast. It's called The Secular Sacred Antithesis. Okay. So it, it shows that, you know, like Simon Stylots, I got to separate myself from worldliness. I'm going to live on top of a pole for 27 years. I'm not going to shower. It was saying that eating and drinking and laughing and talking and music and jokes and, and um, eating a steak or eating broccoli or whatever you're into, you know, the, in God's earth, that... Everything that Christ did was sacred. Yes. And he did all those things. Okay? Yes. Said he was t- tempted in every way we are, but he, without sin. He didn't sin. But he ate and he drank and he drank wine. The Baptist just fell off the pew and fainted. That's okay. <laughs> and I'm not talking, hey, if you have a problem with alcohol, be careful with it. Okay. You know? But, and there's things of, remember people would use um, the appearance of evil. Which yes. that's in a scripture. It, it is in scripture. But they would take it too far. And then I would be like, hey, wait a second. Um, being engaged to a woman that is like, uh, had an immaculate conception and you're towing her around on the donkey and you're not really married and she's pregnant, wouldn't that be kind of considered the appearance of evil? So you could take things and go way too far with them in order to manipulate people's behavior. That, and not just to manipulate people's behavior, but in your own unsettled mind and unsettled heart, you're really trying to be more more godlike Spiritual? than God. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, right. That's, yeah. But conveniently... In an arena where you can express yourself with effortless victory. Huh? That was pretty good. That was good. It was. was Every once in a while, you know, a a couple of synapses are still left and they do their thing. But you know what I'm saying? We crave to win. Mm -hmm. So if you are really bad at lacrosse, right, you're not going to go, here's the rules. If you're not, if you can't score at least three points a game or whatever it is in lacrosse, you can't be one of the elite. You're never going to do that because you want to win, right? right? So if you're awesome at Chinese checkers, 
but you're really bad at lacrosse, right? Then you're going to want to have your cult or your group think built around schooling. Yeah. And then you'll actually enjoy when somebody comes in that is not very good at Chinese checkers. Oh, yeah. And you get a little bit of little micro jollies. Yeah, you that feel. We're like yeah. coming up with all sorts of words. Micro, jo- we're gonna micro to- jollies. Getting your frock in a wad. It's going to be the get real uh, uh, thesaurus. thesaurus. So we'll be, we're creating English as being not just spoken, people. It's being made, being made fashioned, right yeah. handcrafted English right from the U.S. of A. Artisan English. Ooh. Ooh. Boutique English. No, it really happens. Well, I'm going to say that again. Going back to the Indian example, okay? You got these. They were actually Mayans. They came into the Yucatan. Yucatan was named after, I don't know what you're talking about, funny enough. And then when it got in there, they were doing all these sacrifices, and and the Spaniards were like, no, not on our watch. This is horrible. Clobbered their idols, and then they were like, oh, so the idols couldn't protect themselves. It's kind of like that, of being able to go, this is God's earth. And an idol, what is an idol? It's a, it's it's either nothing, a hollow stump, a big stone, maybe a spirit's trying to inhabit it, you know, do whatever. And it's just some devil yeah. trying to get you to pay it homage. That's all it it's is. It's a manipulation. That's all it so is. So when you sit there and go, no, the, the those whales we were talking about, those killer whales, the great white shark, all of the stuff, all of the scary stuff, thunder, okay? Ooh, it's scary. God made it. All those little tattoos swimming around in that shallow sea, God made them. Okay, yep. and there may be an, es- an essence of fallenness. You know, maybe maybe you know, lion and the lamb are going to lay down they will. together. Yep. You know, in the future, and you think, whoa, how's that going to work? Is he still going to be a carnivore? Is he going to want to eat the lion? Is he going to have you know? I don't know, but it's just it's interesting. I'd like to analyze that to think about. How much of the earth, how different is the earth? I was just thinking about that. The thing that I was just thinking about was what was the relationship between animals before the fall? Hmm. What was that like? And then the relationship between animals and man, because you know that God brought all the animals in front of Adam and he named them. And there was that whole thing of, you know, what's a suitable partner for Adam and the animals were not a suitable partner, but he named them and he had dominion over them. So there was a whole different relationship. I don't think you had mutual of Omaha's wild kingdom going on. <laughs> like animals eating one, <laughs> another, one another or, or Adam and Eve eating animals. I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I know there's certain grounds and I'm not knocking it. I don't necessarily agree with it. There's certain people that are certain um, doctrinal veins that have gone vegetarian mm-hmm. because they believe that we are meant to be vegetarian. I don't believe that from a biological standpoint. And I'd love to see that in scripture of knowing before the fall and how much of us, how much transformed, you yeah. know, how yeah. was it like this, uh, what do you call it? A metamorphosis. Cause it does seem a little evil and, and scary. Did that metamorphosis take place instantly or are we gradually devolving? Interesting. I well, don't know. I know in the writings of Darwin, who is really kind of an inbred, he was a mess, racist. You know, I'm not a big fan of Darwin. Everybody puts him up on this pedestal, and I'm like, no, there's big holes going on in his theory. But even personally, he was a horrible dude. Mm-hmm. But when you look at things, like you look at what bacteria do, let's say like a lethal disease, they will try to go, okay, let me try to inhabit the host, make them really sick so they throw up or they go, you know, do other things to spread around so I can inhabit more people. And it'll show you just a brutal, 
I mean, if, if anything does look neo-Darwinistic, it's what bacteria try to do to you. To kill you yeah. and to spread right. and right. to survive. And you're nothing but a host to them. And I think, whoa, that just looks like evil incarnate or in in microscopic evil. Yeah. It looks horrible. And then, and I know people get neo-Darwinistic notions when they analyze such things. But at the same time, you can step back and you say, like, no, all this design, it's God's design run amok. Mm-hmm. And it, it, whether or not it's gradual, if you have an email or if you have something interesting or maybe a book that you've read that, that points out some of that, we're very much real. We look at things and, and we have different reasons for why we 100% believe in God and we believe that God can be active in your life. I was tempted with being deistic for a while. God wound up the watch and took off and, you know, he's like... Up there just watching his Yeah, it's beer 30, you know, he's just chilling. <laughs> and and I, I kind of thought that for a while. I was tempted to think that. But, you know, whenever I kind of wax that direction, i got to quit speaking old English. What's it, how can I replace wax? Wax. Uh, um, become. Uh, yes, I'm going to have get. to. How about get, that? A good get, southern get, one? Yeah, get. Whenever I get. Get, get, yep. Get real. Whenever I feel like I get um, kind of evangelically deistic that I believe about salvation, but I believe that because super spirituality kind of drives me that way. When somebody's like, well, I was praying and I was given and I, and then I got the parking space and then I didn't get the parking space and then it started raining, you know, when it gets all like that with everything, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I believe how much do I believe that he's interacting that way. But then usually when I'm really tempted or feel just kind of um, distance from God, you know what it is? I've allowed unforgiveness in my life. Really? I've allowed anger into my life. And then all of a sudden, the coals start burning really dim. You're not sensing the love of God flowing through. You're not sensing the inspiration and the creativity and just uh, the Holy Spirit in your life. You're not walking in that. So gradually, you start reasoning out that. So the absence of that glow is there. God's still there, you know, but you're not interacting with him. And he's doing what he said in the Word. He's going to, you know kind of turn you over to a little torment when you get that so way. a lot of times the problem is not god oh, yeah. it's never the problem the problem <laughs> every is time me every, and me every time i thought it was god or even me it came back to being you oh. <laughs> i'm gonna go sit in the corner again <laughs> no but the, you know what i'm saying oh, no, but to exactly. be real with it i get you know there's different times in my walk where and i didn't notice you know when god was some of the most active in my life um, different periods, like when I really sought the Lord, and not in a super spiritual way, but I was like, God, I want to know more about you. I want to interact with you. I want to please you. I want to, and you dare to start doing that. Then all of a sudden, occasions in my life lined up where I would be tempted to want to just shoot people. I mean, mm-hmm. like, or hate people and, and, and just be like, oh, I can't believe this person is doing this to my grandmother, or I can't believe this person is doing this. And it was a test that I miserably failed. And then all of a sudden, later on, I'm like, man, I don't see any illumination of God's love or life or blessing or anything in my life. Where is God gone? And then all of a sudden, you're getting bitter at God when I I really missed the test. Mm -hmm. Because he's not going to allow you or I or anybody else to sit there and take part and the beauty of receiving mercy and grace, and then hate other people. Or in even if it's kind of a righteous hatred, like uh, being like, you've got to separate and give God, that's God's thing. Yeah. 
God, you know, Hitler walked as many days as God gave him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it really did. did. And it's like, I don't know, I'm rambling. But wow. you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I Part thought, of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I use the word get, it yeah. probably lost you. You know, if there's any of our listeners that have anything, like you were just saying, want us to read, take a look at, maybe talk about, send it to us. Yeah. We read, we look at things all the time. Especially in the area of disagreement or whatever. Oh, you, you don't, because we definitely don't have all the answers, but no. we firmly believe uh, theistically, we, we yeah. believe there are reasons. You know, if you go in life doubting everything, there's one thing that just believe one thing is that the only way of salvation is through Jesus. Yeah. If you doubt everything else, just believe that. Yeah. No, that's strong. Just believe that, and then everything else will open up. You know, I I do a lot of thinking, Glenn, about. Why do I believe? Because people might ask. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things to me that even at my darkest moments or my moments that are more full of doubt that I had you know, a long time ago or whatever, and through struggles or you see doctrinally weird things, you want to get turned off or you're just like, ah, church, I'm done with it. Or, you know, we've been to some heavy places. Ooh, yeah. And the thing, you know what kept me alive of going like, no, I absolutely 100% believe that Jesus is Lord and that the Bible is true. You know what a lot of it was? What's that? It was the incongruity of being so obsessed with eternity within the human psyche. You have a human that no matter how many times you tell somebody that, hey, your dog's only going to live probably about 15 years, I you know, or your, you know, the death is so incongruous to the human psyche. Mm-hmm. How does that happen out of some neo-Darwinistic paradigm? How does it happen? How do we, how do we get addicted to and long for something that's never been in the sphere of our experience? Ancestrally even. So if there is no such thing as eternal eternity. Why are we even thinking about it? Why would we even have the level of consciousness to be able to perceive it? Why would that be Darwinistically efficient? Why does that enhance my ability to survive if I sit here and fret over my lack of something that I've never tasted? So let's boil it down to something even more simple, the respect for human life. If we were just something that came out of primordial soup and we're just this random putting together of molecules. Mm -hmm. Why do we respect other people's lives? exactly. Well, we used to joke when we would do, um, we'd have a high-profile atheist and a high-profile believer go at it. We would joke with the guy in the studio and go, you're not going to clobber me and take my sandwich, are you? Right. Right. There is no um, fear of, of justice. On a eternal level, you can basically do whatever. That's what gets really scary. And I think that's why a lot of people gravitate towards the primordial soup. It gives them license and justification to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. But it ought to give them incredible intrepidation about, about flowing with humanity. Because right. where, does, where does it end up going? It ends up going to human sacrifice and using people and killing and hurting the innocent. It's where it always devolves to. You mm-hmm. look at almost every culture. You could look at the... Um, the, the Canaanites, that's where the word cannibal was derived. Okay. You can look at their wickedness. You can look at what the Mayans and the Aztecs were doing on every continent. 
the Druids, the Picts, the all over the world. And you could look at where did their gradual, hey, we want to survive, we do not want to starve, we're grateful for the harvest and the sun, and where did it all end up? It ended up going into the depth of gory perversion and killing the innocent. It, it was a rudiment all over the world. This rhythm, it's the same drum. It's that fallen thing. And, and it, would, it would be... So you, you can watch. As people go headlong into hedonism, just a godless, I'm going to pursue pleasure, avoid pain, and they keep going into that cycle, you'll see universally it will devolve into what you see in those ancient religions and ancient cultures. And, and it, that's a lot of people suspect that that's going around today with all the pedophilia and the And it's interesting you say that because as we watch society devolve, and I'm not talking from a political point of view, I don't care what end of the political spectrum you're on, the world is messed up. People are messed up and it's getting more messed up. It's getting more confusing. It's getting more violent. It's getting more lawless. And the Bible speaks of in the last days of the lawlessness where people are just doing whatever and there's no regard for anything. And I believe, and I think this is even scriptural, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that Jesus is going to return just at that right time before we just all decimate each other. Yeah, like in the days of Noah. Yes, Hmm. yes. To circle back... You and I had both said one issue each. You had said the respect for human life. Why would people, mm-hmm. and how strange it is, kind of incongruity, both of them. Mine was that one of the major reasons that I believe in Scripture, I believe in, in Christ, is that this whole concept of eternity, it, we're not just having some mammalian animalistic notion and the lights and the oxygen level and my hormones and it's all just nuts and bolts and plumbing are making me interpret and having a contemplation of eternity. And like what you said about people even, why would people respect human life? Okay, if you're just a blob, right. you know, you're a tall blob. Yeah, you're so anything goes now. Anything goes. Anything goes, yeah. Those two things, we would encourage you and challenge you, think about those things. We, we refer often to a position and it's not a, where you stay, but we call it noble agnosticism. And it's a place where if you've been burned by religion, you're like, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I don't know about all these different things. Who knows? Okay. But you get into a position where you're like, well, I want to know. And I'm asking. It's like taking a bow and an arrow and with a question and a curiosity in your heart, firing off a prayer. You lift up the bow towards heaven, you know, and you just go, if you're out there. You know, that is a good place to be in. And and I've noticed, Glenn, what I see in a lot of people that claim to be atheists is a bitterness. Mm -hmm. And it may be a bitterness, uh, how do I say, there may be reasons for that bitterness. A lot of times there are. But what I'll see is a little bit of dishonesty in the sense of where somebody would not just go, they won't even approach that stage of being in that nobility of just going... Look around at the earth, look at our bodies, look at how many bones you have in your hand or the fascinating uh, qualities of the human eye, or you just watch your dog or pet your cat and you're like, this is amazing, this little thing, it's not a robot, this is a living, breathing thing that I don't think random churnings of the universe produced it or some soup stirring around on a volcanic planet, you know, it didn't happen by itself. But just to be able to go and fire off a question, 
That's called a prayer, by the way. If you don't know prayers, you don't <laughs> yeah, have to you hold your hands in a and certain it doesn't way. Have to, it doesn't have to be in King James. It oh, thou great father yeah. Yeah. of light. And no, you're like, you're like, hey, you know. God? God, uh, uh, maker of heaven <laughs> and earth. There's a kind of a resonance anytime yeah. I read or say that. Because that's kind of our base ability to interpret in an illuminated state that God is who he says he is in the scripture it would be to address him as the maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. You know? Just to and say that. Just to say that. And you could go, I don't know what that entails. Because you know what? We're pretty much wrong. How many churches have you been to? And then in high sight, you're like, whoa, that church was way off. Then you go to another one and you're like, man, that guy is way off. You know what? We're all kind of way off. We're way and off. that's not a license to sit there and say that doctrine doesn't matter. We're not saying that. If somebody's saying that it's all about riches and all about getting rich or all about controlling people, or it's about politics. It's not. It's about God giving people eternal life and remaking the earth and fixing things. Well, Paul said we're looking through glass rather darkly. Yeah. And that's God's revelation of himself is progressive. He just never lays it all out at once, or if he did, it would totally kill us. Elaborate on Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. please elaborate on that. That's... So, okay, even in your walk and my walk with the Lord that we've had, you mean my hobble? Your hobble. Okay. <laughs> the, I was skateboarding one time. It was awesome. I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. And then until I you fell crashed off, into the brick wall. And now I kind of gimp it, but go for it. But we don't see God. We're fallen. We're corrupt. I don't care how good you think you are, you are corrupt. You there's probably something that you've stolen. There's probably somebody that you've hated. That's the signs of corruption. But because we're corrupt and God is so awesome and because of the fall, there's only so much that we can see of God through our corrupt frame. And anything that we see of him is just an absolute miracle. It's a miracle that we have any understanding of God whatsoever. And that's why people are like, well, I don't believe the Bible because it's got so many contradictions. Yeah, there's some people that just say that just to say that. Well, they really never yeah, they, even read they it. They heard it. They heard it. But there are some things in the Bible you're like, okay, this is kind of puzzling. This just doesn't add up. But then, like, in my walk, and this has probably been the same in yours, you go back to it 20 years later, you're like, oh, wow, it makes sense now. And that's because we're seeing through a glass rather darkly. We're not getting the full revelation at that, at that particular time. And part of the good thing about that is that because it's not... 100% clear all the time, that should stir a hunger in somebody or a person to want to get more of the Lord and more of Jesus in hmm. their relationship and their walk. Well, see, I think for a lot of people, they'll sit there and go, why is God hiding? Hiding? Why is the glass darkly? Why are we dealing with murkiness? Why couldn't God show up in some fantastic blazing chariot and just go, hi, I'm God, everything in this book? Well, he kind of did that. He did reveal himself. And I think that really is something about what you're saying, that progressive stages, it's almost like when they have to turn on big factories, they do one switch at it. You can't turn them all on at once. Blow up. It's going to blow up or it's going to overload or something. So the murkiness, there is an explanation that things are murky and it comes out of his mercy. Mm -hmm. He's doing that to not overwhelm or destroy us. In fact, even you go back to the Garden of Eden and you think about after they partook of the fruit. 
Okay. A lot of people call it an apple. It wasn't an apple. No. I'm not sure what it was. More likely a pomegranate or something. Or Probably something. broccoli because I hate broccoli. Or, or no. a fruit. That, yeah. Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> Broccoli's a fruit. You heard it. The right devil's trees. <laughs> not with cheddar cheese. The devil's cheese with cheddar, cheddar cheese. cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, but you think about it. When they sinned and they partook of the fruit, Right. And then they lost that brilliance. It's it's like they went dim. Okay, if you really read it, you understand they went dim. They were luminescent. Okay, and I don't know if that was a reflection of the luminescence of God, but they knew that they were naked, I think, because they were robed in light, light. somewhat. Okay, and a lot of this is conjecture, but it's fun. And it, I think it, it goes, it's not extra biblical in no. the sense that it doesn't fit. It's a sense of wonderment. Well, God had to back off the revelation of his glory. He had to pull himself back. So God withdrawing, God tinting the windows, if you will, of our soul. God even, I'd like to talk about one day on a podcast, The Latent Power of the Soul. Yes. It's a book by Watchman Nee, but it, it really talks about how the capabilities of Adam, where he'd be like a savant, a superman. He'd be like, you know, Rain Man, but... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at his prime, he'd be like a lot of things that were not and have full use of his brain. Some of it would be interpreted to our eyes now as supernatural. We'd be like, like if you see somebody that is such a brilliant genius, it almost seems like magic. How did they do that? Mm-hmm. How did they do that so quickly? How did he recall the whole entire phone book, right? Um, it, it's, it wasn't magic. It was full capacity in a certain sector of his brain. And a lot of savants are actually dimmed in other areas. They may not be able to tie their shoe, but they could hear Mozart once and play it perfectly. perfectly. Right. So there's, there's something about that darkening. That's a very interesting, that progressive in his mercy, being able to do that. I want to take a look at that a little bit more. And we'll talk about that more because to me, it's fascinating. And that's just scratching the surface of it. Really. Uh, There's depth there. One one real quick thing. The, the point about what we were talking about as far as, for me, one of the biggest proofs, not the only ones, but of having that, uh, where did that sense and that understanding of eternity, how did that come into play into our consciousness? If that strikes you, ask yourself that question to our listeners. Sit there and go like, you know what? I am concerned about death, but yet my thirst is for eternity. Yes. I don't want to die. And it's beyond just... A, a dog doesn't want to get killed or have the pain. It's got it instinctively will try to preserve its life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about conceptually. We deal with the fear of not. Uh, we desire. We lust to live forever. Mm-hmm. It's embedded. It's in there. That's a big deal. So if you think about that, if you're a listener, if you're a non-believer, you're a metalhead, you're whatever. It's just kind of go like, huh? Never thought about it that way. I would hope that that the Holy Spirit would move on you, illuminate. Go in those stages of whatever you can handle, you know, open up some stuff and respond to God. You don't want to stay passive. You don't want to just figure it out. You just go, huh, fire up one of those arrows going, God, hey, would you speak to me or are you real? If there's anything that I think after reading the Bible that God would go like, yeah, I will. You know, if somebody asked, hey, are you there and can you reveal yourself? That's pretty clean. That is clean. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. 
If anybody wants to reach out to us, you can get us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Check out our snazzy website at uh, lithoscry, uh, lithoscry.com. You did a good job of that. It is snazzy. It is. I do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard producing, being the marketing department and everything. like It's, it, it's fun, though. It, it, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of places I'd like for this to go. But again, it's progressive. Ah, we don't want to blow our listeners' minds, <laughs> you know, because if we, if we pull all of this out of the sheath, man, and go swinging no. that sword, we're going to blow their minds. Glenn, we're going to melt your face off. Glenn just doesn't want to explode is what it comes <laughs> down yeah, All we do to. is work. <laughs> we work in podcasting. Hey, hey, thank you guys for listening. Reach out to us if you love us, if you hate us, if you agree with us, or if you want us to talk about something. And get our take on it. We're more than open to. Or if you'd like to even uh, call into the show and uh, talk to us over Skype or Messenger and discuss some of these things, we're open to that as well. Absolutely. We'll do a discussion on on the podcast. But till the next time, if you if you don't know the Lord, ask Him to reveal Himself to you. Avita Zane. Avita Zane. <laughs>